This is the city of New York. There's all kinds of ways to get killed in this city. I love this dirty town. God, I hate this town. Welcome to New York. <laughs> You want to live in a toilet like Manhattan or the Bronx? So, how do you like our fair city? Oh, we don't. Stole it right off the street from you, huh? Yeah, well, that's New York. Oh, what kind of a life is this? Where the hell do you want to move to? This goddamn city. Fun City Cinema. By Jason Bailey and Mike Hull. You just flush it right down the fucking toilet. Man, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! I gotta get out of this city, man. Why? I don't know, it's just not for me. What am I supposed to do, sleep on the subway? Okay, Alice, this is fun city, but we gotta draw the line somewhere. Hey, everybody. Uh, your old pal Jason Bailey here. Uh, alongside me, clear across the country, is... Michael Hull. And we uh, we just wanted to do... Uh, to, to, to invade your feed very briefly kind of kind of warm it back up uh and let you know that uh second season of fun city cinema a podcast about new york and the movies that made it is currently in production um with a second season debut date of august 31st and the shortest possible version of of why you haven't heard from us from for so long was as you may have noticed if you if you look on that that feed there uh, each of the previous, the four episodes in the first season were about six weeks apart, because um, that's how long it takes us to research a show, to interview people, to write a show, to record a show, to edit a show. Uh, it's all in about a six week process and uh, give or take. And um, so, you know, we were kicking them out about one, one every six weeks. Uh, and then at the beginning of the year, some life shit happened and uh, we had to pause for a minute. And then we had a we had a heart to heart, Mike and I, again from across the country, and we decided that um, as much as we like doing the show and and as as supportive as you have been as listeners helping us get the word out on it, it's very hard to build momentum with with a six week break between episodes. There's a reason that that's not the usual model for television or radio or podcasts or really in any kind of media. <laughs> um, and so we decided that as long as we were on hold, we were going to stay on hold and we were going to build a season uh, that we could release in more momentum building increments, uh, in this case of about two weeks apart. So that will start again on August 31st uh, with an episode about uh, 9-11. Uh, jumping right in with all the cheerful shit. Um, but we're going <laughs> to- You know we're... how we do. You know how we do, but we're doing an episode because, you know, it is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We want to talk about how 9-11 impacted New York City filmmaking, how we had a really strange moment there where the World Trade Center was being edited out of movies that had been made before the attacks and digitally erased from from films. And all of these filmmakers were sort of having this moment of reckoning, like, what do we do about this about making entertainment and whether it's going to remind people of this and most of them deciding not to. And how one filmmaker, who we talk about quite a bit on this podcast, decided to go the other direction and to insert 9-11 into a story and to and in doing so created uh, really the definitive post 9-11 New York City movie. So that'll be our first episode back on August 31st. Uh, we have episodes lined up about uh, the Death Wish movies, which is something we've been talking about doing for a while, about some of the great subway movies. 
um, about, uh, we're finally going to talk about Taxi Driver and Midnight Cowboy, which would be a lot of fun, and some other surprises as well. So uh, we're, re- we're really excited about the, the season so far. We've we've done a lot of episodes. Uh, we've recorded some great interviews. Uh, we think you're really going to like what we've got in store for you. Speaking of things we also think you're going to like, uh, we wanted to take a moment here and just give you a little programming note um, that uh, there's a new documentary film that's debuting on HBO Max. Uh, it's called Betrayal at Attica, and uh, it's directed by my esteemed co-host and editor and producer, Mike Hull. And Mike is going to tell you just a, a little something about that film, which I highly recommend you stream uh, as soon as it's available. And with that, I'll turn it over to you, Mike. Thank you very much. Yeah, we have uh, Betrayal at Attica is going to be on HBO Max August 1st. And uh, we just had a long chit chat, an in-depth, very emotional conversation about this for the Patreon feed. So I'm just going to chop a little bit of that out because I don't know if I'm up to uh, if I'm up to going (laughs) where we went twice in one night. Uh, It was a little heavy. So how about if you listen to a little bit of the, the talk we just had about Betrayal at Attica for the Patreon So, okay, so let's talk about the movie in particular. And and I think, you know, what listeners here would be most, I think, interested to know is how did you get involved in this? How did our beloved Mike Hull become the director, editor of this scorching new documentary film about this thing that happened like four years before you were even born? Yeah, it's so we're coming up on the 50th anniversary this year and and. In 2012 or 13, um, I started going around this lady Liz's apartment. You know, she was a friend of my aunt's, and she had was having some health problems and and needed somebody to walk her dog and bring her some reefer and you know get her some groceries and just hang out. You know what I mean? Like she was she lived on the ninth floor. This was in New York City, right? This was when you were when you still lived here. Yeah, yeah. She li- she lived in Brooklyn and had forever. You know, and she was just having some health troubles and and just kind of needed some help around the house. And so I just went over as mm-hmm. a friend to mm-hmm. start helping out. You know, my aunt was like, can you go to Liz's place? And I had met her before. And, you know, yeah, of course, no problem. Right. And, you know, she just was a, a, an utter fucking genius. And she really genuinely changed my life. Like the way I live every minute of my mm-hmm. life is different as a result of having met her. And and she would talk about this all the time. You know, she would say, like, it's one thing to have progressive values, but what are you doing with it? You know, it was this kind of the secular yeah. version of faith without works is dead. And and she's the first person I really heard preach that shit that it really touched my fucking soul, you yeah. know, but it really did. Like and I felt like I was doing all right for my with myself and and the way I spent my time, you know, but like she would tell stories. She told me a story one time, you know, she was so she was a lawyer was her mm-hmm. part of this. She was a lawyer and she was a radical lawyer and she was she went to law school to be a radical lawyer. So when she yeah. got out of law school, like Attica Brothers, Attica had already happened and and joining Attica Brothers Legal Defense was the most radical shit you could do, you know, and not have to like live underground, right? right. So like, right. so she joined Attica Brothers Legal Defense at, at, like I think she was two weeks out of law school or something crazy like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's in the movie. I'll have to watch it again to remember the the specific time frame. But uh, but she she joins Attica Brothers Legal Defense and she just fell in love. You know, she didn't yeah. realize she was going to be there for as long as she was. But she just was so inspired by the people around her. She ended up working on that case for more than 30 years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the the lead lawyer for so the so after the Attica event happened, it, basically what happened was they there there was a bunch of guys who they were they were clamping down on these guys in the prison because the guys in the prison were starting to to have some sort of low key protests and they had sent a list of demands to you know to the warden and to different people for for you know better food and and right. recreation and oper- you know media opportunities to read the newspaper uh letters to family you know just some very basic things that when you read them it doesn't seem like they're asking for very much right and these requests just kind of got them clamped down harder and harder and harder and so in addition to all the problems they already had uh, which are too numerous to list here but again they're in the movie uh i i don't know i'm gonna stop saying that but all this crap's in the movie in a in a, yeah. in a more artistic format uh they they start clamping down and then and one of the ways they clamped down was they would not let them go out in the yard so they would send them to to you know mess hall to eat and then you, normally when you were coming back from mess they would send them out into the yard and mm-hmm. this day, they on September 9th, they, this one particular company was coming back from mess and they didn't let them out in the yard and they started bitching about it. You know, they start, you know, are, are fighting and arguing. And one of them actually starts fighting with the, the guard. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this was unusual, to say the least. But right. when when one of the prisoners starts fighting with the guards, then they all start kind of scuffling around. And then and then a bunch of guys go down toward the end of the, the hallway and they're like shaking the gate and they're being like, come on, open the door, open the door. And they want them to open the door to the yard. Right. Because where they're the gate, where they're shaking this gate is called Times Square. Mm-hmm. And in Times Square, they have there's literally a switch for every door in the entire prison. Right. In this one area. Right. So they're hitting the gate and saying, open the door, trying to get him to let him out into the yard. Well, then it turns out there was a shitty weld on one of the bolts. And so the shitty weld broke. And all of a sudden this gate came down. And now these guys have access to Times Square. Right. And they there were three guards there. They beat all three of them. Uh, one of them got a guard named William Quinn. They beat to death. And from what I can tell, you know, nobody really had beef with him. He was just kind of the first guy when the gate broke. It yeah. sounds like the gate kind of hit him. And they took out all of their frustration and rage on the state, all landed on this this one guard. And it killed him. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be relevant soon. Okay. But in the meantime, they just start flipping switches. And so they just open every cell in in A block, in D block, you know, they just open. And so right. all of a sudden, guys are just free. Yeah. You know, and uh, they went nuts and they tore the place apart and they took 39 hostages. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I've heard stories from some of these guys who were there about like, well, you know, when did you first realize something was happening? When I looked out of my cell and I saw one of the guard, one of the prisoners that I knew driving a fucking forklift up the hallway, I knew it was on. <laughs> right? And yeah. they just and there was just this unleashing of all of this rage and and frustration mm-hmm. and and uh and they tore the place to fucking shreds and they took the the hostages out in the yard and as soon as they started taking hostages. You know, this is something that Liz says in the movie that that I can never really get out of my head. Attica started as a riot, but it very quickly became a rebellion. Mm-hmm. 
And what she means is that once they started taking hostages, none of the hostages were were physically abused. None of the hostages right. were killed by the prisoners because as soon as they started taking hostages, they took them out into the yard. And one particular guy named Big Black, who was everybody knew Big Black. Big Black knew mm -hmm. everybody. And he was a big black dude. And he mm -hmm. so he became head of security and he got a the the Muslims, basically the, the it's basically the nation of Islam, the guys on the inside who are part of the nation. And they became the security team. And the Nation of Islam guys form a, a, a circle around the hostages. And they guard the hostages. And so right. you're out in this yard with 1,261, I think, is the official count. It's got to, it's, I'm sure that's close to whatever the real number was. You're out in the yard with 1,260 guys. And they managed to protect all of these hostages. And some of these guys were like, like Red Whalen, like everybody fucking hated him. <laughs> and yeah. and Red Whalen didn't get hurt until the state police came in shooting. Yeah. And Liz, you know, so so Liz meets all these guys and, and she ends up working on the defense uh, on the defense teams, you know, and. Uh, f for for the Attica brothers after the whole thing is done. None of the, you know, the Rockefeller sent in the state police. They killed 39 people. They fired 4,500 shots. Uh, they shot more than 100 people. They tortured more than 1,000 people were tortured. And, I mean, bones broken, you know, just they putting guns in people's mouth and pulling the trigger and, you know, there's just no bullets in the gun. Like, I can't, I lost count of how many people said they were pissing blood for months after Attica from the beating. They had to run a gauntlet where there was a long hallway and, and there's just broken glass all in the hallway and both sides of the hallway are just lined with state police with have, you know, batons and two by fours and rifle butts. Jesus. And these guys have to run across broken glass while they're just being cracked in the fucking head, you know, no medical attention. It's just as bad as it, the story is just as bad as it can be, you know? Yeah. Um, and but again, you know, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. And that was the thing for Liz was, you know, she would talk about this stuff and, and she always placed it in the context of those protest movements that I mentioned before. So, yeah, that's August 1st. That's HBO Max. Uh, stream it as soon as you can. It's a powerful film. It's an important film. It's a uh, it's an angry film. It's a great film, which is something I would have said whether or not I'd known the guy uh, for 30 years who directed <laughs> it. Um, and the third thing there that, that then this sort of naturally takes us into is that is uh, an excerpt from the Patreon. We've been, uh, although this feed has gone quiet, uh, the Patreon feed has remained active through this hiatus. We've done monthly bonus episodes where we've talked about uh where we've shared some of the interviews long interviews that i did for the book where we've talked about some other sort of tangentially related uh items in new york city filmmaking and again whereas the new season starts we'll be sharing some of the fuller interviews with some of the people uh who we talked to on the podcast including the aforementioned walter hill uh we talked to alex winter uh who many of you know from the bill and ted movies but is also an esteemed director and a co-star of a Death Wish movie. We had a great talk with Alex Winter. We'll put that that whole talk on the the Patreon feed. And also, I've been sharing some excerpts from the book and some outtakes from the book as well. Uh, so that's you know you can you can subscribe to that for as little as five bucks a month. You can catch back up with all that stuff as you're getting ready for the new season. We appreciate that support, but most importantly and more than anything, we appreciate the support of the show that uh, 
that when we start bringing out those new episodes on August 31st, anything you can do to help us spread the word, whether it's tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, rating and reviewing, all of those things that we always beg you to do at the end of the episode. Uh, if you can help us out with that as we're getting into that, we would appreciate it. Um, anyway, that's your big update. Uh, the show's back on August 31st. Thank you again for listening, and, uh, hey, and we'll talk to you then. There's one more thing. Oh, what's that? Isn't there a, a book coming out about Fun City something? Didn't okay. I see? I yeah. feel like I saw um, something about that. Okay, yes. The book uh, is called Fun City Cinema, New York and the Movies That Made It. The book that, as we mentioned at the end of the first season episodes, the book that inspired the podcast series uh, that I spent three years researching and writing and that uh, the podcast was created sort of to uh, promote, but also it's like to, taking on uh, a life of its own. Like that was the initial idea, yes. but then you just started writing this fucking standalone beast. That's just so beautiful that like, I feel like we, you can, you can kind of, you don't need, you know what I mean? It's like, it's taken on a life of its own, but it was initially a support project for the book. Yes. And part of yes. And like, the book is so fucking good, dude. I mean, it's you said very nice things about my movie because the movie comes out in like less than a week. <laughs> but like, yes. I'm going to be repeating that shit when, the, you know, book time comes because the book is really spectacular. Yeah. Like, if you I'm like the, the, the podcast, book. there's literally no way you won't like the book. <laughs> the book is available for pre-order. I'm very proud of it. Uh, the, t the design team at Abrams did an incredible job of, you know, incorporating all of these, you know, archival images and still frames and all of this. It's it's a beautiful, uh, hardbound, coffee table appropriate book that also is a very dense text with a lot of information. And yes, we originally started the podcast to promote it, but also because I had a lot of stuff that there just wasn't fucking room for in a book that covers 100 years of New York City history. Uh, but the book is sort of the Bible. So uh, it's available now for pre-order. Uh, if you go to funcitycinema.com, there's like a page for the podcast and there's a with show notes if you're interested about previous episodes or when new ones come out. But also there's a page for the book that's got pre-order links to wherever you want to buy. If you want to get it on your Kindle so you don't have to haul that beast around on the subway, you, you can order. There's a Kindle link on there. If you don't want to support Jeff Bezos and his dick rocket going into <laughs> the edge of space then you can get it from any number of independent bookstores. You can get it from Matt Zoller Seitz's bookstore. Matt wrote the introduction to the book and has a little bookstore that he runs out of his garage. You can order it from him and you'll get a signed copy with, you know, both of us sign it for you. However you want to get it, the book is available now for pre-order and those pre-orders really actually do matter because those all go into first week sales. So a good showing in pre-order and first week is like really important. Um, but I think you'll like it, especially if you listen to this podcast. So that's out October 12th. Okay, I think we've done all of our plugs now, Mike. Yes? This is just, uh, this is a plug-a-sode. So we can't wait to see you back on uh, August 31. New season, August 31. Uh, Mike's movie on HBO Max on August 1st. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon, and the book is out uh, October 12th for pre-orders. And now we've we've reheated the feed. It'll be It'll be nice and toasty when the new episode uh, drops on August 31st. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later.
There are eight million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them.